0: You can also tell your smart speakers to play Vision Kids Radio. If you don't already have the Vision app on your phone or tablet, you can download it for free when you search Vision Christian Media in your app store. Vision Kids, another way we're helping the whole family look to God daily. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media.
1: The statistics show that the age most kids start to turn away from their faith is the age of 13.
0: Today, Pastor Greg Laurie offers insights on family matters and how to pass the baton of faith to the next generation.
1: When my child comes and says, I don't know if I believe the Bible, Mom. I don't know if I really understand who Jesus is, Dad. Instead of saying, never doubt your faith. No, work with them. Explain it to them and help prepare them for the real world.
0: This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Oh, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Oh, Again, you hear where the angels are singing. This is the day, the day where life begins. Teaching our children to walk and talk isn't usually intimidating. Teaching them to tie a shoe or pedal a bike is in our comfort zone, but as parents, sometimes we stall when it comes to sharing our faith with our kids. We acknowledge it is the most important subject of all, but few parents feel like they've mastered the assignment. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie brings us solid insight based on the 10 commandments found in Exodus chapter 20.
1: This is about the family. So before I dive into this, I wanna take a quick poll. How many of you are single, you're not married? Raise your hand up, okay. How many of you who are single want to be married someday? Raise your hand. Okay, keep your hand up. Other singles, look around. (laughs) Now everyone pull their hand up. (laughs) It's called prospects. Okay, how many of you are married? Raise your hand, you're married. How many of you are married with children? Raise your hand up. All right, how many of you are grandparents? Raise your hand up. How many of you are happily married? Raise your hand up, okay. All right, good. How many of you who are married wish you were single again, right? No, don't, don't, Some, don't do that. So before a word is said about not stealing or lying or other interactions with people, don't covet what belongs to them. We begin with the family, why? Because God created and God loves the family. And God's template is for a man and woman to come together, commit to each other for life in a monogamous relationship, ultimately God willing to have children and to raise those children in the way of the Lord. And it starts with a father and mother. And what's our point of reference? Our Father who art in heaven. Now I don't know what kind of earthly dad you have, but I'm telling you, you have a Father in heaven who is perfect. He's flawless. He has no limitations whatsoever. What is he like? Well, Jesus answered that in what we call the parable of the prodigal son. But it could just as easily be described as the parable of the loving father. Because it's a story, according to Christ, of a father who has two sons. One of them goes astray, leaves home, blows all of the money his dad gave him, and loses everything and comes to his senses and returns home. And according to Jesus, that father ran to the boy and threw his arms around him, kissed him and hugged him and welcomed him again. What is God the father like? He's like the father in that story. He's a father who loves you, a father who longs for a relationship with you, a father who is brokenhearted when you're away from him in sin. So with that in mind, we come to this first commandment, honor your father and your mother. This, of course, starts with the marriage and then children may come and we need God's help. Our kids to us are a gift from the Lord. Actually, in Psalm 127, verse three, it says, children are a heritage from the Lord, a reward from him. That could better be translated a gift. Listen, our kids are not ours to mold, but to unfold. They're not ours to keep, but to nurture. So do everything you can to raise your child in the way of the Lord. Okay, let's look at Ephesians 6 for a moment because Paul picks up where Moses leaves off. First, he quotes the fifth commandment and then he elaborates on it. He says, children, obey your parents and the Lord. for This is right, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And it may be well with you and you'll live long in the earth. That's a quote from the 10 commandments, of course. Then he gets more specific in you, fathers. Don't provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up. Underline those words, bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. How do we provoke our children? One way is to show favoritism, to favor one child over another. Never compare your children to each other. Why can't you be smarter like your older sister? Why can't you be more athletic like your younger brother? Why can't, why can't you just stop doing that? Every child is loved by God. Every child is unique. And when you show favoritism toward a child, it can affect them into their adult years. A good example of this is in the Bible. We see the the story of uh, Jacob and Esau, two brothers that were at odds with each other. Well, that's because the mother favored Jacob and the dad favored Esau and the kids knew it and it affected them for the rest of their lives. Now, you would have thought that Joseph, the son of Jacob, would have learned from this and not repeated the behavior of his dad. But then he had a bunch of sons, one of whom was named Joseph, and he favored Joseph over all of his other sons, giving him a super cool coat. And Joseph is sashaying around ratting out as brothers and let's say they overreacted a little bit, they sold them into slavery, but um, so don't take off your brothers if you can avoid it. <laughs> but the point of it is it started by a father favoring one son over the others. Kids know when you have a favorite. You think you're so clever, you think you hide it, they know. You have to be even with your kids. I have two sons, of course, one in heaven, one on earth. I have five grandchildren, and when I buy one a gift, I have to buy them all a gift. The other day I saw something, I said, I think I'll get this for this grandchild. Kathy says, you have to buy five. And then I said, Oh, never mind. (laughs) So don't show favoritism to one child over another.
0: We're hearing from Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. And today we're considering the biblical injunction to avoid provoking our children to wrath as Pastor Greg presents his message, The Family Matters. Let's continue.
1: Here's another way you can provoke a child, never complimenting them, never affirming them. Now, I don't know about how you were raised, but, and I don't say this to elicit sympathy, but if you want to give it to me, I'll take it, but... Um, my mother never affirmed me. She never, not once that I can remember in my entire childhood said, I love you. It was hard for her. She was a broken person. And, uh, and so sometimes we feel it. Oh, I'm so proud of my son. So proud of my daughter. They can't read your mind. You need to tell them. You need to affirm them. So that's one problem, but the other extreme is you overcompliment your children. And I think in some ways in our culture today, a lot of kids are being overcomplimented. You know, you have that bumper sticker on your car. My child is smarter than your child. It's not that direct, but it's like that. And you know, they play games now, they go and play soccer, and there's no winners, there's no losers, everyone's a winner. We're all winners, no you're not. No, you're not. So that kid grows up and gets a job and they do the job poorly and the boss demands an explanation. He say, well, we're all winners. (laughs) Boss says, no, actually, you're fired, goodbye. (laughs) Prepare them for the real world. You can over compliment them, you can over criticize them, but our job as parents is to bring our kids up, not knock them down. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. The word bring them up means to nourish or feed. (laughs) Proverbs 29, 15 warns us, a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Here's what I'm concerned about today with a lot of kids. Is they're being left to themselves. Who's raising these kids? Are you expecting the school system to do it? It's your job, mom and dad, to raise your own children. Children. The other day I was in a restaurant and uh, Kathy and I are sitting there. There's a beautiful view, the sun is setting. I look over at a table, a young family. Mom, dad, and a baby. Mama's on her phone, dad is on his phone. The baby, the baby is on the iPad because there's an iPad holder in the stroller. I'm thinking, what are we doing to these kids? putting them in front of these devices with all this imagery, with all this technology, washing over them. I don't even know if their brains are forming properly. If they're even learning how to read social cues and how to communicate, we're just bombarding them with this information and your kids are gonna get that information. No matter what, you have to protect them and watch over them and help them process it. You know, you might say, well, we don't have a television in our house. Well, congratulations, what do you want? A medal? Well, we don't want our children to be exposed to all of that media out there. Trust me, they're gonna get it somewhere else. A lot of kids don't even watch it on television anyway. They watch it on YouTube on their phones or their friends' phones or see it in a mall. So instead of saying, we're gonna protect our children from all of these things, why don't you prepare your children to process these things? That's the job of a parent. Listen to these words of Moses in Deuteronomy 6. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts, get them inside of you, and then get them inside of your children. Listen to this, nothing can happen through you until it has first happened to you. You cannot take your children any further spiritually than you yourself have gone, as Paul wrote in Philippians 4 9, these things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So they need to see it in you first. And let me say a word about devotions in children. It's a good idea. Both of my boys, I raise them, telling them Bible stories, do the same with my grandchildren. I try to keep it interactive, involve them. Uh, I don't think you should ever make devotions too long Uh, because we're going to now continue our series in the book of Leviticus, kids. Uh, We're gonna do eight chapters. And I'm actually going to sacrifice a lamb in your room so you fully understand. You're not doing a good job. How do you do it? You know, yeah, it's good to do a time of devotion. But it's good to talk to them when they get up in the morning, when they go to bed at night, when you're walking down the street. It's a constant process helping them to develop their own faith because sometimes our kids will turn away. The statistics show that the age most kids start to turn away from their faith is the age of 13, so really young. Why? Because they're being exposed to so much stuff these days that I honestly can't completely control. It could be a teacher in a classroom. It could be something they saw online. It could be something a friend said to them. So I've got to help them. And when my child comes and says, I don't know if I believe the Bible, Mom. I don't know if I really understand who Jesus is, Dad. Instead of saying, never doubt your faith. No, work with them. Explain it to them. Help them understand it and well I don't have all the answers. Then get the answers and then share it with your children and help prepare them for the real world. And don't beat yourself up too bad if your child has gone prodigal. Because if having a prodigal child meant you were a failure as a parent, then that means God is a failure as a heavenly father. Is God a failure? No. Does he have any prodigals? Lots of them. I'm talking to some of them right now. (laughs) And by the way, coming back to prodigals and wrapping up, we call it the story of the prodigal son, but in reality, you could describe it as the story of the prodigal sons, plural. There were two. One left the home and went to a distant country and messed up his life, the other never left home. In fact, the other older brother was resentful when his younger brother came home and was welcomed back into the family. He didn't think that was fair. And he was a prodigal in his own way. Even though he was in the home with his father, his heart was hard against his father. So some people go out into our world and the culture and they do sinful things. And they come back to the Lord. But sometimes we never leave the church. But our heart is hard in the church. So as we get ready to wrap this message up, maybe some prodigals need to come home today. You know, in that beautiful story that Jesus told, showing us what the father is like. The boy is still a great way off. And the father runs to his son. And that culture was considered undignified for an older man to run did have to pull the robe up above their knees. Just wasn't done, not to mention the fact that it's harder for an older man to run, right? But the father, willing to lose his dignity, if you will, according to Jesus, runs to get to his son. And why does he run to get to his son? It's possible the people in the town were picking up rocks and were preparing to stone him because that boy had drugged the family name through the mud. That boy had been so sinful, and the father said, I've gotta get to my son. And when he got to his son, he threw his arms around him because he knew that people wouldn't stone him. Get it? That's what happened at the cross. Jesus stepped in and took my place, and the judgment that should have come upon me came upon him. He died for me. If you're a prodigal, you can come back home. If you're someone who's never believed in Jesus, you can believe in him and be forgiven of all of your sin right here, right now. In a moment, we're gonna pray, and I'm gonna extend an opportunity for you to ask Christ to forgive you of your sin, and an opportunity for you, if necessary, to come back to the Lord if you're a prodigal son or daughter. Let's help you make the most important decision of your life right now. Let's all pray. Father, I pray that you will speak to the heart of every person here, every person watching and listening wherever they are. If they don't know Jesus, I pray that this will be the moment they believe. I pray this will be the moment when they see their need for you and come to you. And if they're a prodigal Lord, I pray that you'll help them to return to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.
0: Pastor Greg Laurie with an important prayer. And if you'd like to do just that and make a change in your relationship with the Lord, Pastor Greg will help you do that right now, as we conclude today's program.
1: How can a person know they're going to heaven? Let me say at the outset, I believe I'm going to heaven. In fact, I'll take it a step further. I know I'm going to heaven. You say, Greg, isn't that kind of arrogant? Not really. Because I know this because God has made a promise to me and I've believed that promise. The Bible says, we write these things to you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. I've believed on the name of the Son of God, thus I know. I'll go to heaven when I die. Here's my question to you. Do you believe on the name of the Son of God? Is there any more important issue than that? I can't think of one. So I'd like to lead you in a simple prayer, and this is a prayer where you will be asking Jesus to forgive you of your sin, and you'll be asking him to be your own Savior, friend, Lord. It's a prayer only you can pray. Pray these words if you would. Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner, but I know that you are the Savior who died on the cross for my sin and rose from the dead. Jesus, come into my life. I want to believe in you. I want to follow you. I want this relationship with you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin and rising again from the dead. And I thank you that you've heard this prayer. And I believe you've come into my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to help you grow in your faith. I want to help you grow spiritually. So I have a free gift for you. It's called the New Believers Growth Packet. What's in it? No, not a bag of seeds to plant in your backyard. I guess it's sort of a form of a bag of seeds because... I want to sow some spiritual seed in your life to help you develop as a follower of Christ. So I'm going to send you a copy of the New Testament in the New Living Translation, but it's a special edition. It's called the New Believer's Bible, and it's filled with notes that I wrote that will encourage you in this new commitment or recommitment you've made to Christ. And there's some other materials in the New Believer's Packet as well. So order your copy today. And I'm so glad I had this privilege today to lead you in that prayer. God bless you. You've made the right decision, the decision to follow Jesus Christ.
0: And here's how to get that new believers growth packet. You can call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. And the team would love to pray with you too. Call 1-800-772-936 today. Well, we hope you join us next time for a new beginning as Pastor Greg continues our look at the Ten Commandments. He'll speak to the rampant cultural decline that we see around us. It's a good message to help us all remember that believers set the tone. We lead by example. The day, the day Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called The Family Matters.